Welcome to the Film to Film Podcast. My name is James. I am joined here by my good friend Inyaki. How are you doing today, Inyaki? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. How about you? Uh, doing all right. Today we have a special treat uh, in the form of perhaps the most famous of the uh, Shaw Brothers horror movies, uh, and certainly the most famous or infamous, if you will, of an era. Boxer's Omen from 1983. Uh, this is a film that, you know, I've been excited to discuss with you. Uh, w- recently, when we visited each other and we recorded that uh, double feature, Kiltro and A Fist of Condor, uh, I we had the opportunity to watch a couple other films, and one of the films I decided to show you was Corpse Mania, which is another um, kind of horror movie by this director, Kuei Chi Hong, mm-hmm. who, uh, of all the Shaw Brothers, uh, he was... He was definitely one of those that was known for doing a handful of horror films. And that's actually like a very good uh, kind of like giallo stuff. I, I, I'm I'm a decent fan of that film. Uh, this film, on the other hand, um, that one's not very well known and not very well seen. This one, on the other hand, has developed a bit of a reputation uh, for being pretty outrageous. Um, so here, I'm going to read you the synopsis and then we're going to let you know what we think of this film and you can let me know your initial perceptions of it. Uh, synopsis. A man gets caught up in a web of fate, Buddhism, and black magic while seeking revenge for his brother's crippling in Thailand. Wait, the brother became, uh, had his crippling accident in Thailand? Um... I don't know if that's accurate, actually, but I, I feel like that fight was in Hong Kong or yeah, Japan. I think it was, I think it was not in Thailand. Okay, but other than that, I mean, <laughs> about right, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you, do you find this or you write, you write it yourself? No, I found this. I found this. Uh, I should have asked uh, ChatGPT to write it for me, and maybe it would have been more accurate. Um, so yeah, what did you, uh, what did you think of this film? This is your first time viewing, I assume. Uh yeah, it, it was my first time viewing it. Quick question before before where do you get it from the quote? Um, uh, I will tell you uh, as soon as you uh, finish your uh, saying my, what my you thoughts. Said. Okay, uh, yes. so I'll go into my thoughts. I thought this was a very fun yet grossed out movie. I think it's uh, one of the cringier films that I've seen in a while. Uh, it has some good fighting. It has some um, decent horror. It has some funny uh, special effects, and uh, just a lot of very disgusting scenes. Um, uh, what 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 year was this film? Nineteen eighty three. Eighty three. So this is before uh, the Evil Dead movies. Uh, yeah, right around, uh, right around when they're getting released. Um, when was the first one released? Right around at the same time. First one is 1981, Evil Dead 2, 1987. So probably, who knows if he saw it or not. So yeah, neither side got inspired by this movies, sounds like. Right. Uh, but yeah, I I thought it was a, it, it, it was a fun movie with, uh, some interesting special effects. Uh, there was some decent fighting, surprisingly. Um, even though that's not at all a an element of the movie. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, for me, at least, this is my second time viewing it. Um, I'd seen it for the first time a dozen years ago, I think in 2011. 
And it was before I'd really, uh, you know, started to appreciate horror and stuff like that. So I feel like watching a lot of horror, uh, especially enjoying a lot of like the Italian classics of like Argento and Fulci uh, in the meantime, really let me kind of appreciate this film. I didn't really care for it when I initially saw it and coming back to it too. It's like seeing it um, in kind of just a really good quality image. I, I think you, uh, you saw it too in a pretty decent quality. I was looking at kind of the uh, video that you were looking at before and it looks like it's pretty good quality. And I think this film really benefits from that uh, rather than probably like a lower, more VHS quality uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of the stuff is very, very impressive uh, in a way. Uh, some stuff is less impressive uh, and some stuff is more impressive, but a lot of it is very, very striking and it kind of has just like a very endearing kind of homemade feel to a lot of like the effects and, and like animals and things like that that are happening. Uh, certainly some of it is very gross, uh, but uh, you know, I, I find uh, the effects to be a huge reason uh, to kind of enjoy this film, um, including just all, all aspects of the production too. It's like the story, you can take it or leave it, uh, but uh, you know, it, it, it's very fun as just kind of like a horror film um, extravaganza. It's a, it's a horror adventure. Uh, I mean, when we talk about the production, actually, this movie has seems like it has a huge production. Uh, it has multiple locations. I yep. Mean, three three countries. You uh, got you got three countries. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know how expensive it is to go to Nepal, but I'm I'm, I'm assuming, while probably cheap being in Nepal. It's probably expensive to fly there, even even if you're flying from Hong Kong. Uh, probably, yeah, and and same thing with Thailand too. Um, and it's like very. This might be one of two or three Hong Kong films I've seen that have even used Nepal as a location. So, uh, whereas Thailand is used all the time there, so uh, it's definitely one of those locations that you're not going to see a whole mm-hmm. lot of in Hong Kong film. I mean, I don't think you see Nepal in general very often. I mean, you. You hear about it, but I think here it it seemed it was very clear they were filming in in Nepal, so that's that was just a very, I mean, it, it, when it comes to location, it's just, it's very interesting. Um, and I'm, I sort of enjoy that. I enjoy the the, the how they connected these locations with the, the the lore or the mystic powers within it. Um, even there's a, even a little bit of comedy behind this whole Buddhist Buddhism thing. Um. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, me too. I I really like the location stuff like that. And in fact, in that sense, this film is very unlike sort of the Shaw's reputation. Shaw Brothers, uh, you know, we've watched a lot of their films. We've sort of been softly going through uh, some of their like filmography as just a studio. This is very near the end of kind of their film production. They stopped making films. I think the last year they made films was 1985. Mm-hmm. So they're ramping down. Um, and they're definitely less known for their horror films um, rather than their martial arts films. Um, and in that sense, this film really does stand out. It's not filmed in their standard 2.35 to 1. It's filmed in the 1.85 to 1 because they're kind of gearing up towards home video and that's 
sort of thing and having their eyes on that. Um, it uses a lot of like actual locations, which you just noted here. They're definitely actually traveling to Thailand and filming there. They're definitely traveling to Nepal and doing there. I'm sure they did some stuff on sets uh, as you would expect, but it looks very different from kind of like your standard Shaw martial arts set and stuff that we would have seen in stuff like King Who's, uh, uh, Come Drink With Me or Chong Che's like Golden Swallow, One Arm Swordsman, that sort of stuff. So it has a very, very different kind of feel and very, very kind of un Shaw Brothers like in that sense. Um, every year uh, there's kind of like this big uh, sort of release of Shaw Brothers films that will come out on Blu-ray uh, that Arrow Video has done. And every year it's like about 85% to 90% or unless for the past two years it's been 85 to 90% martial arts. And they always toss in one or two oddities. And this past year, Boxer's Omen was one of the two oddities that they put in. So it was a pretty big deal uh, just amongst kind of like Hong Kong cinephiles and stuff like that because the films get restored and they start to look really good. So I think the print that we both watched was from there. So I think, do think that's probably one of the reasons I did enjoy the film more too is it does look... It's extremely impressive, in my opinion, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, just a lot of that and like some of the lighting and stuff like that feels almost Italian-ish. Uh, just all the different colors and things like that. Um, certainly a little artificial, but kind of in a very, very fun way. Uh, well, it's a style more than yeah. artificial, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Visually very rich. Um, okay. Uh, anything else to uh, talk about kind of that we've uh, talked about so far? Mm -mm. Okay. Um, all right. Well, this is uh, just a little bit more background on the film. This is a sequel to a film called Bewitched, uh, which was also directed by Kuei Chi Hung. Uh, this, that film is less outrageous uh, than this one, but also good, in my opinion. Um, so it's a horror also kind of focused on the black magic. In fact, we see a uh, flashback to that, if you remember, towards the beginning of the film when they're sort of explaining the plot going on. We see kind of the wizard getting confronted in the Hong Kong airport and having his like fight with the, uh, the Buddhist monk there. That mm -hmm. part is actually taken directly from Bewitched. And so it kind of takes off where that uh, that film left off oh. in the sense that so it's totally new characters and stuff like that not at all a prerequisite to see Bewitched uh, but uh, that's kind of the background and how the plot kind of gets kickstarted uh, the original concept and the direction was done by Kuei Chi Hung who is a Shaw Brothers director. He only directed films with them, um, and this is one of his, this is his second from last film. It's uh, known commonly sort of as like more of his swan song where he's tossing everything against the wall. Here, uh, he ended up, a lot of the Shaw Brothers directors ended up like moving on to other studios or moving into TV, that sort of thing. He decided to just totally retire. He ended up immigrating to the US where he opened up a pizza parlor in Los Angeles and that's actually where he spent uh, the last part of his life, um, which is kind of a shame because I think he's a, a pretty talented director. Um, and for most of his career in Shaw Brothers, especially early on, he was considered kind of a low-level director, unlike mm. the other directors we've seen. So a lot of his projects and stuff like that focused more on social realism and stuff like that. He didn't direct a whole load, a lot of wuxia or martial arts films. Uh, he did do one or two. Uh, neither of them were hits. Uh, but uh, for the most part, he was kind of taking on different projects, a lot of horror films towards the end of it. Uh, he did like a biker film. He did a woman in prison film. Um, and all of those films are kind of interesting. And he's always been a director that has uh, never been quite shy about ha kind of having more of those exploitation moments in there, uh, including this film too. Uh, yeah. Some of the nudity and things like that are <laughs> are uh, definitely a little, um, I don't even know how to describe it. They're just very uh, frank. Uh, I was going to say un <laughs> unnecessary. Unnecessary. Sure. Yes. 
for sure. Um, I mean, like, yeah, they're there for the sake of it. Yeah. I mean, I would say the, the the first the first tech scene. I would say like it's like oh, it came out of nowhere. It's like oh, it's almost a rape. Oh, but it's not a rape. Okay. I mean, all right, that you could have done this better. Like even even if you want to show that this man is uh, addicted to sex, you know. Could have been yeah. done I mean, it does come back to it in the end, but it was filmed in a fairly uh, crude manner, shall we say. Yeah. I mean, I guess exploitation, you're right yeah. when I said exploitative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyways, uh, I think he's uh, a very talented director, and um, yeah, uh, this film uh, kind of has his uh, fingerprints all over it. Uh, let's see. Uh, so one thing that I do like about it um, is that this film is relatively humorless. Uh, the other kind of Hong Kong horror film that we saw recently was uh, Seventh Curse, which I brought on kind of in October last year as kind of like the horror film and stuff to watch. That film has kind of a lighter tone and stuff like that. This film is fairly just straight horror, and I think that's one reason why it translates well. A couple of his horror output, uh, like the sequels to his Hex films, have a little more comedy in them, and I think that just tends to translate, um, you know, a little more hit or miss, depending on if you're really into it or not. Uh, I see you messing around with your headphones. Oh, so good, we're good. can we're hear good. what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, and so this film, unlike those, is like, you know, there's a little bit of comedy or perhaps unintentional comedy in this, for, but for the most part, it plays it pretty straight. This is like a straight horror, black magic uh, film. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I thought it was kind of comedic, but... Uh... Which, which parts did you find funny? I mean, uh, the the whole sex addiction was was sort of funny because it's like, oh, you gotta become a, a monk, which means that you have to be celibate, and it's like, yeah. As as soon as he's done with this task, he breaks the fucking like the fucking rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I also thought some of the stuff with Bolo, uh, the uh, Thai kickboxer, was kind of funny too. Uh, I, in fact, I forgot, but I was gonna start this episode by calling you the Chilean guy. And how him and uh, Bolo kept calling Bolo is uh, the kickboxer, yeah. uh, who's known for kind of Bruce Lee his appearance there and Van Damme and Bloodsport, yeah. Uh, where he just calls him Thai guy and Hong Kong guy, uh, and they're just kind of going at it that way. Yeah, no, I, I he he seemed very familiar. Uh, he has, I mean, Bolo has a very like a, a very good presence. Yeah. His body type is very unique amongst kind of the more lean, typical Chinese build. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, I mean, he's known, I think, some people call him, like, the Chinese Hercules and stuff like that. Like, he is a bodybuilder. Like, he is... Was uh, he in... He's, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Please. W was he in uh, the Cripple Avengers, or that was someone else? No, I don't believe so. Who no. was he's the big in, guy in that one? Oh, yeah, Lo Meng. Who, I mean, they also play into kind of his unusual body type. But if you actually look up how big Lo Meng is, he's like 5'11". So he's like a very standard height. And a lot of it is just the contrast versus the uh, other smaller performers. Ah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing you'll see when talking about this film is uh, a lot of people seem to have a hard time following it. Uh, which, personally, I find to be a little bit odd uh, because... 
I think the story is quite simple and it's mm-hmm. kind of just a vessel uh, for all these kind of different black magic battles to happen. Uh, I mean, there there are two stories basically going on. Uh, the first one that you're introduced to is kind of the basic revenge story with Bolo and stuff like that, which is almost immediately kind of discarded for the more uh, the the storyline that takes up 85 to 90 percent of the film, which is kind of like this black magic duel where it's basically just good versus evil. It's like he has like this twin from a past life who he's kind of linked with, and he basically has to do battle with this wizard, uh, kind of using Buddhism uh, as a, uh, as his, uh, I don't know, <laughs> as his way to fight back. Um, no, I, I thought it was pretty easy to follow as well. However, I can see why uh, you might have a, a, an issue following the movie in that, uh, yes, it is your typical, like, the, the, the revenge plot is really sort of your your act one just setting up the characters but the real plot is you know the the real conflict is between is this guy wanting to survive because i don't he doesn't really care about saving his uh twin brother a spiritual brother he cares about surviving and not oh being exactly dead. he does but, not give a shit about yeah his no. spiritual brother I and mean, this guy's a gangster too so it's it's not even a good guy our main character but um but where it gets a little bit confusing is uh, that after after he becomes a, a monk and he sort of has his battle with the bad guy, you didn't, do not expect a battle to happen like, you know, at the beginning of the second act. And the battle kind of goes for long, and a lot of shit happens in that battle. And it's like, uh, it's a magical battle, and you you think it's going to be more physical because the movie's more physical, and this is sort of this magical battle that's happening where weird shit is happening, uh, which I think we're going to go more into detail later. But I think that can lose you because, okay, this is happening, and then he kills the bad guy, and then what next? And, and and it is sort of like an abrupt like okay well he did his task then he has sex which then you think oh that's going to revive the bad guy but no the, the, the bad guy is dead it just takes a bunch of witches getting together in a convention with you know a little bit of a crocodile and a mummified corpse and then then the bad guy the, then the bad is back not the bad guy but another 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 like so yeah it's in that sense if you're watching and you're sort of like following all of a sudden it does throw you a curveball that could turn you off a little bit because it's like you know you know what i'm saying yeah i I get what you're saying it it does have kind of an unconventional um structure it's not quite as straightforward as kind of your standard three acts or something like that well Um, i think it it is at the end but i'm saying it it, it is in the end but it it feels it's hard to know at what point of the plot you are at because like the fight with you're you are right that fight with the first wizard which i think all takes place in the first half of the movie uh is like really long and it feels very much like a normal climax to a film uh, mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of the stuff is so impressive, too, that it, it really does feel like that. And then, you know, we're basically there for, uh, you know, a, a second part, part mm-hmm. two, wizard battle part two, or witch battle part two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's kind of like one of uh, a weird comparison, but uh, 
it makes me think a little bit of uh, Inception. And, and the reason is, Inception is a weird movie to begin with. It actually has a very clear three-act structure. But uh, as, as plot goes, it's, it's, it's a weird plot, right? And you've got dreams between mm-hmm. dream, blah, 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 all that stuff. But there is a scene that is highly memorable. And it's the zero gravity, rotating, hotel, right. hotel hallway scene where a whole bunch of shit happens. And that's in the fucking middle of the movie. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie is not bad. But, you know, it, it's, at moments feels like a slog. This one picks up. Actually, I think this movie, when it comes to pacing, it works better than Inception, which is... Sorry, Mr. Yeah. Nolan, but that's how it's, <laughs> this is how you yeah. do pacing. <laughs> Inception could have really used uh, DiCaprio just taking, a, just taking a giant bite out of a chicken ass. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, sorry to track. Uh, yeah, it's no, it's, exactly. ab- it's absolutely uh, kind of like just an unconventional structure where you're like, oh, I'm actually not sure at what what point I am in this movie. It's like you tune in, and you're like this. Like if you just tuned in, uh, like you're flipping channels or whatever, uh, old school style, and you flip in and like the wizard battle is happening, and like th- there's got like crocodile heads and stuff like that. It absolutely feels like the end of the film. In fact, in most of these Chinese black magic films, that would be kind of the climax and the end of the film. In fact, we do actually have a finale that has a lot of the, you know, different set pieces and stuff like that going on, different uh, things, but it's kind of of the same nature. So I, I do get kind of what you're saying. But just as kind of like a plot point A to B, I, I don't find the film to be terribly confusing uh, at all. Uh, but I do no, plot-wise, it's straightforward. Yeah, yeah I, and I do feel like um, perhaps because this is the most famous of kind of those uh, Shaw Brothers films by a decent long shot uh, of the horror films, that it might be uh, considered, uh, you know, people are, are getting introduced to it from here, and maybe they're more used to, like, standard, more contemporary American horror films. That's just a guess, though, uh, of why or, or, some people might not, uh, you know, immediately kind of be able to follow the plot yeah or, or contemporary or i mean as you said yourself even the chinese films like the hong kong film the other Shaw, Shaw brother films are do not have that middle climactic battle that later sort of everything right feels. right i mean and that's part of the reason why i love this film is it feels like he's just tossing so much stuff against the wall and there's so much things going on that it really is kind of like that fever dream and it's almost best appreciated sort of like some of those italian films where it's just more of a fever dream and it's just built around kind of these very impressive elaborate uh visually sumptuous uh uh, set pieces Mm -hmm. uh what's interesting about this whole comparison with italian films uh is that Again, I haven't seen enough Fulci to to know, but uh, at least with Argento, like this movie definitely takes some lighting from Argento, definitely some sort of effects on that. Yeah, but it well, plot wise, it's much better written than Ar- the Argento films. <laughs> fair, fair. No, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I I think the plot is in many ways easier to follow than something like Inferno, uh, in a way. Um, another thing I like about this film too is, uh, you know, I can't speak towards the accuracy of it, uh, of the religion and stuff like that. In fact, there might be some people that really don't care for this film that are, are Buddhist, but I do, uh, it's nice to see something 
you know, we're used to in the Western lens seeing like these very Catholic films, Italian um, or like Exorcist in in, uh, in American films, but Italian films have a lot of like kind of Catholic Catholic stuff in some of the horror films that they're doing. Uh, it's nice to see something that's different, um, and so I I kind of like that part of it, uh, the fact that we're uh, getting, you know. Uh, a different religion and I like the different rhythms of the beats and stuff like that that you're hearing and I think it's very visually impressive the way it's filmed I can't speak obviously towards the accuracy or stuff like that but um, you know I, I like having sort of a counterpoint to what we're so used to as far as like um, exorcist and, and those things and religious war yeah no I agree it, it does remind me a little bit of this movie from the 80s uh, set in Haiti I'm trying to remember the film to horror it's an 80s horror uh, is it American yeah um, maybe it was 90s is it uh, Serpent and the Rainbow maybe I'm double checking here um, yeah yeah Bill Pullman is the main yep. guy yeah and, and and it does have like you know it's Buddhism and that kind of stuff, and it's also sort of uh, fever dream ish kind of concept. Uh, shoot, what year was that movie? I, I just eighty eight. Eighty eight. I wonder if that movie was inspired by this, or maybe not. Who knows? I mean, the eighties also had a bunch of weird, like weird movies came out in the eighties. Like yeah. Especially in the horror genre, very weird movies came out. Yeah. Like psychedelic, uh, which this sort of falls in that category, I would say. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you that it, it is interesting to see Buddhism. I am a little bit curious on the accuracy uh, because, you know, just, just like that American movie where when watching that, I'm like, I'm wondering like, okay, is this being offensive or is this being, you know, <laughs> like, is this offensive or is this trying to be, you know, tastefully done? Uh, same here. It's like, I, I'm, I, I'm not aware of, like, I know Buddhism is big in, in Asia in general. So, you know, maybe Hong Kong is trying to, to, you know, work with their ideas of Buddhism within the, you know, within their, their their full understanding, and then you know, being cultural culturally accurate, or it's more like, oh no, no, this is you know, this is what the uh, the this poor Asian countries believe in. Let's let's play around with that shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it might it certainly might be a bit of that uh, for sure. I mean, every time the uh, Hong Kong people go to Southeast Asia, I'll almost always watch that movie, and I'm almost always like. Hmm. I wonder what people in Southeast Asia think of this too. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. One of one of my friends uh, who uh, I watch films with occasionally will has told me in the past that he's like he uh, he's so used to like American films going to different places and then shitting all over the country. He like wondered if other countries did. And you know, having watched enough Hong Kong films, I can definitely verify that uh, <laughs> there are other places that will go to countries and kind of uh, you know make a little bit of a mockery of things, uh, but. Uh, I'll absolutely still uh, still watch it. I mean, uh, I know we're not talking about this movie right now. We're, we're all completely off course, but uh, Ebola syndrome. I I think it's <laughs> one of the most 
one of the most racist movies I've seen. It's it's set in fucking Africa in South Africa. Yeah, you, you know it's uh, <laughs> it's a com- it's a it's a completely mm-hmm. tasteless classic. It's it's extremely tasteless. It's very racist. Like I think it goes way well well beyond like you know any American movie of that era set in Africa. So yes, I I am a hundred percent confident that you know oh. You, you find American stereotypes uh, and current movies racist? I just fucking watch Japanese like anime referring to this culture, whatever culture we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> Ebola syndrome will have you begging for uh, Robert Redford and Out of Africa afterwards. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of love that film, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it is absolutely tasteless and terribly problematic if... Uh, yeah, <laughs> in its portrayal. I'm very racist. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, sorry that that was a tangent of like. The I guess I guess that's why I'm like I I'm not gonna praise the uh, Buddhism. Um, I mean I praise the differences, but I I am skeptical on wanting to praise it too much because I, I'm aware that maybe they're doing it completely wrong. Maybe they're being extremely offensive to Thai Buddhism and Nepalese Buddhism. <laughs> yeah, although it is the force of good in this one. So, uh, yeah. It, but, I mean, the whole this whole movie is insane. So, you know, it's certainly a work yeah. of fiction. And I know Kui Chi Hong is, was, not a, was an atheist and was a, not a believer in organized religion. So it's not, uh, he's not necessarily, like, trying to present a accurate Buddhist perspective. Although I don't know. Oh yeah, you you just reminded me of that Japanese movie we watched a long time ago, like a samurai a samurai film, where the bad guys are like Satanists, and then oh, you yeah, get yeah. you have yeah you have, uh, the Christians are illegal, which in in Japan, the bad guys are Satanists and they're also illegal because in order to be Satanist you have to believe in Christ, which is I thought was one of the most genius things about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, they they had both religions super wrong, and it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're referring to Sleepy Eyes of Death, which is kind of like a bunch of films in that series. Uh, I it's been a long time since I've seen those films, but I was definitely a, a decent fan of them uh, back in the day. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else to talk about this, uh, or we can uh, start to dive into some of the two or three crazy ass uh, set pieces. Let's dive in. Let's say Ben. Okay. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> where, where to start with this film? Where to start with this film? I mean, uh, so we have, of course, the first wizard battle that we're talking about. Um, we also have uh, the uh, the first wizard when he is, like, trying to revive his friend, uh, his friend yep. from the beginning. Uh, like, the bat that's been, like, basically put made into like a skeleton and stuff like that uh mm-hmm. i got both of those things we have the revival and then the uh nepal Kathmandu, uh the final uh fight those are kind of the big four uh that i have here anything else beyond those oh and, and we also have the mixed martial arts fight oh yeah 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 that's true yeah you're talking about martial arts and i almost forgot about that those are like you know in a normal film those would be Kind of highlight a highlight but it's almost like an afterthought in this film uh so yeah let's quickly talk about those uh this film came out you know three years after raging bull i do wonder if that had a bit of an influence there i actually think the uh boxing 
the Thai kickboxing stuff is pretty well filmed, uh, all, all things considered. Uh, like some good use of slow-mo, stuff like that. Uh, Bolo is just, you know, he's a good fighter. He's a good, if, if you're trying to stage a boxing fight in like mid-80s Hong Kong, you could do a lot worse than uh, Bolo Yang. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what do you, you think of those? I mean, I thought the refereeing was terrible. Let's start with that. <laughs> also, also, there was a clear weight class difference that shouldn't be allowed. I mean, one person was a heavyweight. Bolo? <laughs> yeah. The yeah. other person, I think, was banter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the funny thing, too, is, like, his initial opponent is uh, Wang Lung Wai, who is, like, kind of famous. He usually is playing villains and stuff like that. But he is usually the big guy himself. But that just shows you how big Bolo is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the fact that he's, like such a physically overpowering presence uh over this guy yeah but uh and the ref just would allow you know a bunch of like cheap cheap shots without stopping the fight or anything so i mean all of that uh that was pretty funny but uh no the the fight itself themselves are the 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 fight is actually quite engaging um you you get to see how brutal it is they do a good job with makeup as well and um, and yeah, Bolo is just like just big guy, and I think he he's just great in any in in any film. Yeah, he he's perfect for this. He's in it for ten minutes. He just comes in, uh, is is very villainous, and then he's out, and then he's back again for a couple other scenes, and it's just very in and out. They know how to use him well. Uh, I don't know how much of an actor he is, but yeah, he's he's very good in this. He looks angry, and he can talk some shit. Yeah. I like how when they're kind of celebrating him in Thailand and stuff, he's just the the guy that introducing him is also like uh, because of the unfair refereeing, uh, he was unfairly <laughs> unfairly disqualified. Yeah, and it's like the guy fucking paralyzed <laughs> the other his opponent. I mean, it's crazy. After he was knocked out, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, no, I thought I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, your your classic like um, nationalism like oh let's ignore this everyone's just yeah crooked yeah um, okay well I mean th- those are the fights uh, do you want to just start at the beginning with the uh, first wizard and the uh, revival yeah let's do it um, so I mean uh, this I think this is one of the first moments where like I didn't know what to expect. Right, uh, this movie was pretty straightforward. The the only supernatural thing you had seen was a ghost, and perhaps the uh, flashback of the monk killing uh, that guy at the airport. Uh, but yeah, you see the <laughs> you see the, the the working the the killing off and rotting the flesh off the bat, which is clearly a toy. Uh, it's a, a very adorable toy, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they kills the bat, and then uh, out of nowhere, this spirit comes out. I guess the spirit, it's a demon. I don't know. I don't know what it is because it's never in present in real form, right? Uh-huh. Uh, the bat, but comes out and it's like, no, wake up. Oh, I think that's—I think that's like the master of the. The master. Yeah, the black magic but, master of the. But but he always seems like he's in a different world. I think so. He's doing. He's yeah. working remote. He's using uh, Zoom. Yes, but uh, I just like I like his tone 
Uh, yeah. Perhaps that's just perhaps that's more of an accent thing and not really a tone, but it's like he just sounds kind of whiny. The no, no, time. I, I, yeah, he's like basically nagging the shit out of the bat. He's like, "Go, get moving, get moving, <laughs> go, come on." <laughs> no, you kill my bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I like it too. Yeah, I think uh, from what I could tell. This is just my guess from the names, but uh, I think all of the evil wizards are played by Filipinos, which, you know, ah. goes goes really far to dispel the idea that this is racist towards Southeast Asians. Right. Yes. No, <laughs> not, now we know for a fact it's not, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, it, he did look like he was, because it looked like he was dubbed, yeah. too, because Pro- he, was not, yeah. he was not talking Tagalog. No. I mean, I think the sounds that were coming out. Where I mean I guess that was, China that was, Cantonese. He didn't sound Cantonese, did he? The whole the whole film is in uh, Cantonese, so I think it was dubbed in Cantonese. Um, okay. As far as I could tell, but you know I I don't speak Cantonese, so I'm not. An expert, but but so 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 in short, it was a Filipino man. Who's playing or a Fili- uh, who's playing a Thai spirit? Probably Thai uh, Thai, black magician. And dubbed in 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 Canton, into Cantonese, I believe that's correct. Yes, excellent. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. Um, I, I yeah. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then we have him, uh, you know, taking some bites out of some rats that were in intestines, and then spitting them all over some bones. Mm-hmm. Lovely. You also have uh, that head that comes out of a jar oh he also plays like a flute where you had a bunch of snakes coming out <laughs> i like how we're just like listing stuff and it sounds like we're on drugs but it's like these are like the 37th and 38th craziest things that happen in this movie well so he plays a flute and then snakes come out of uh, a jar which is a very classic stereotype of like you know like snake like orientalism yeah, yeah. yeah the snake char- charmer like in orientalism again not sure if this is why i'm like i'm always like is it a stereotype is this like does someone believe this anyways snake charmer grabs snakes takes out their venom then like takes out her brain out of a rotting skull and then uh, a bunch of spiders like make some sort of like juice or liquid and then a bunch bunch of spiders come out and did did you know spiders could use straws i know know. (laughs) also that's to to make that effect they clearly reversed the uh the footage yeah 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 um yeah weird stuff yeah but yeah the straws were very i mean this all the little fussy creatures that this movie have are really cute. And like I say, like cute, like I think they look adorable. They're all like fuzzy and they look like toys because they are toys. Yeah. And <laughs> especially the spiders. Yeah. Yeah. And then they drink that really green liquid. Like it's super green. Like. Right. Because it's mixed. It's snake oil. No, snake venom mixed with brain that has been chewed up. Um, rat stuff yeah i mean yeah this is i mean 
there are certainly worse ways to take revenge. And then he takes the spiders, climbs on a bunch of walls, and then the spiders basically just inject right into the eyeballs of the uh, the Buddhist priest. And yep. Revenge, more or less complete. Yeah, the priest dies. Yeah. And his corpse is, like, slowly rotting. Yeah, yeah. Very slowly. Exactly. Uh, what would you make of this whole set piece? Uh, this is one of the moments where, you know, it's like, is this a flashback? Yes, this is a flashback. This flashback is going, flashback is going for way too fucking long. Wow, this is a long flashback. I'm really uncomfortable with all the fucking gross shit. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, no, it's it's really great though. It, yeah, it's yeah. fun. It's like a twelve minute uh, flashback. Uh, I love all the Buddhist uh, like sets that they have there, like the temples and stuff. They're like really oh, yeah. well lit. There's like lots of lens flares and like. Uh, I feel like Kui Chi Hung. One thing that's true for Corpse Mania in this is like he's consistently really good with atmosphere, which is why I think mm-hmm. he's a pretty effective horror director. Uh, so I mean. In uh, in that film, Corpse Mania, it's more of like blue light. He's cranking the shit up some fog machines. Here, it's a lot more colorful and like dim temples and stuff like that. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like how he shoots pretty much all of it. Uh, okay. Uh, well, we can move on uh, to kind of the next set piece, which I think might be my favorite. Uh, I don't okay. totally know. Uh, the wizard battle, uh, that first wizard mm-hmm. battle that happens. Um and, you know, in the meantime, uh, Philip Coe, who plays our lead, uh, basically, now that he knows the plot and stuff, he basically becomes a monk. And he, uh, you know, he goes through a very quick training on how to be a monk, which includes no sex, which is an the, important point that comes into later. Um, I, I do have, I, I do have a, a note on his um, becoming a monk ceremony. Mm-hmm. And it's the saddest fucking monk. Because, I mean, if you haven't seen the movie... Which you should, but if you haven't, then in order to fight, uh, so so his spiritual double is going to die because of uh, he's rotting and not it's not going to be able to go to whatever heaven or whatever it is to to the next level of Buddhism unless uh, unless the bad guy is killed or the bad spirit is killed. So for the for the, our main character to kill the 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 the, the, the spirit. He has to become a Buddhist monk, and from the very from the get go, he's like, "What? No sex?" And then the next scene is the actual ceremony, and that's where I have my notes saying, "Amazing shots, very great choreography, lots of people. You got a whole town walking along with him on a horse, and you got the monks. I mean, you you got a whole bunch. It's a huge set piece, the huge ceremony." But what I loved is that the actor was told to have the most miserable face in the earth. He looks like he's, he is so unhappy. And, and, and you know he is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's realistic. I mean, he is doing this totally for self-preservation. He is not like, a, uh, he's not like someone. He, he, he's doing this because he has to. <laughs> Yeah, he's not like, oh, I get to ride an elephant finally. <clears throat> nope, <laughs> I'm just going through the motions. I I just need to defeat this evil wizard. <laughs> and and I thought it was really like that was really hilarious. Like I mean, <laughs> in, in 
what 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 I, what I thought was funny also is that despite all of this, him doing everything without wanting to do it, he becomes really good. And now we can go into the actual battle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah. that you pretty much described kind of what happens in the in sort of the in-between part. And I think that's one thing that's nice about this film too is like the in-between parts are are pretty interesting on their own. Uh, we could talk a little yeah. bit about if the Nepal travelogue works at the end. But yeah, I, I think this part where he's becoming a Buddhist and stuff like that, I love all the rituals and stuff like that. I think they're really well filmed. The sets they chose are amazing. Um, all the different colors and things like that. Uh, so I, I really mm -hmm. like a lot of that stuff. I like the really rhythmic uh, kind of Buddhist beatings and stuff like that that they're doing. Right. Uh, yeah. And and even though you, you hate special effects, this one actually had, uh, I thought, really fun special effects. Not CG, but uh, old school animation yeah. of having the writing, uh, the, uh, the writing of a jar, goes from the outside to the inside of the jar, and then from the inside of the jar into his body. Yeah, and that was just a very fun uh, sequence of yeah. just animation. Yeah, that orb is definitely one that Trump would want to put his hand over. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, for what it is, it's 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 endearing. Uh, I mean, sort of like the cute toys of the creatures and stuff like that. I, I mean, I actually thought I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I, I like a, I I like old school animation. I mean, I liked I. You see, you you, you just hate special effects. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's get into the set piece because you pretty much go right from that ritual to the uh, fight between uh, the black magic wizard. Uh, who is dressed in all purple, very colorful. Again, they're having this fight remote. Uh, it starts with uh, him basically reviving a bunch of bats to go attack, uh, and he's protected by this giant jar orb thing uh, that just basically mm -hmm. knocks them all off. Uh, we then move on to a bunch of animated crocodile heads that are coming at him and just like chomping away, uh, which he mm -hmm. kind of deflects with a bunch of relics. Uh, yeah, anything you want to talk about as far as those things go? Well, I like how the bats sort of explode. <laughs> yeah, they just get set on fire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from there, it's like... It's it's it's, uh, it's your classic, like, you know, sort of uh, long-distance power-throwing things, right? I mean, they're crocodile he heads. There's some choreography there. Uh, again, these are... A lot of animation, uh, like stop motion animation, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but it looks good. It looks good. Um, the guy, you know, that gets to do some physical acting as well. Um, but yeah, it gets more interesting after that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm a big fan of the crocodile heads. Uh, just, I mean, they kind of have that same like chomp, 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 chomp thing going at him. Uh, and uh, oh, oh yeah, and I do like the fact that um, they're not very. Um, they don't really follow orders. It's more about like where the food is. So he, like he has some sort of magical sand yeah. that makes them follow him. But he dusts that off and finds like other something to distract them and tosses them the other way. And then and the fucking guy, uh, the the evil spirit is like, no, no, that way, that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in sort of his same voice where he was like, 
Like, get up, get up, get up. Yeah, that's just kind of his old persona. Uh, then we go, uh, you know, this film is not a good one to watch if you are not. If you, if you are absolutely disgusted by people eating disgusting things and regurgitating them, because there is a whole lot of that in this film. I think we start to see uh, a little bit more of that here. It looks like some intestines that he's putting in his mouth and stuff. Uh, and then here's, oh yeah. So this one's the one where he kind of has like, like this weird white red glass jelly thing. And he sort of uh, like elevates, I don't even know how to describe it. Like this crying alien baby thing. Uh, it's a head. Yeah. It's just a head. Yeah. It's not a full baby. It's just an alien head that yeah. pops out of sort of a, a, a vase or a jar or whatever. Yeah. But first, to, to, to get that out, he needed to eat intestines, regurgitate, as you said, eat it again, along with other things. There was some chicken head chopping as well going on, if I'm not mistaken. That Was that here? It probably was. It probably was. Yeah, I think. I think actually, the chicken blood was to wake up the uh, crocodile head. Oh, okay, there you go. And I think uh, that one was clearly a, a real chicken. I think a lot. A lot of animals here are fake. Fake. Yeah. That chicken was not. That head was real. The blood was real. Yeah. Anyways, so then there, there's eating intestines puking them, eating them again, puking them, going into a jar, and then out of that jar comes the alien head. Um, that instead of, ha- uh, instead of having like a spine, it has like a bunch of tentacles. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, a clear, it's a clear head on a stick with a string. You don't see the stick. Once in a while, you do see the string. Um... <laughs> But uh, I do like the animatronic. I don't know if it's an animatronic or they have. It's a mix between string and animation. I'm just curious about what they how they did that. But what it is, it is interesting. It is weird looking. It's kind of gnarly. Yeah, it has uh, some weird sound effects going with it. It reminds me a little bit of the Demon Baby in um, Seventh Curse. Uh, yeah, yeah. Except they use it a lot more in Seventh Curse. But yeah, it, it's very brief that part of it. Uh, before we go to perhaps. The best one, or maybe my favorite, where we have uh, the evil black magic wizard uh, is like, okay, fuck this. This is not working. We Now it's time to get into the real stuff. He puts, maybe it's the regurgitated intestine, I'm not sure, some white stuff all over his neck, sticks some pins in there, and oh, yeah, he attaches his head uh, to uh, strangle our, our, our lead. Uh, yeah. And it's like clearly inspired by, I think, the thing. Uh, where he has like all these tentacles and stuff like that going on all over the place. Um, and he's, uh, yeah. And, you know, uh, one thing that I think sets this film apart from other sort of black magic films from uh, Hong Kong or Southeast Asia too, is like stuff like these effects are really good. Uh, I recently watched mm-hmm. a film, uh, Mystics in Bali, which is an Indonesian horror film, and it just looks so much better in the boxer's element. And there's a reason why. Uh, I think this film is uh, more revered than other ones. I mean, I, I find a lot to like in those other films too, but uh, it's very well done, in my opinion. So uh, yeah, no, they it, it's a, that's what I'm saying. Like here, they actually have a really good mix between animation, uh, stop motion, which is type of animation. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't again. I don't know if they're using animatronics, but what they're using is a lot of fucking latex, and and just makeup. 
design and all that that makes it very very believable. That's why when you're saying, "Oh, it's a small movie," no, this this is this was expensive. Oh yeah, no, For, I yeah. I mean, Shaw Brothers are known. Uh, I mean, a lot of their films, even their bad films or or less expensive films, usually look have some impressive stuff to them. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a higher budget than you know Evil, the Evil Dead or. The effects are definitely more realistic. Yeah, yeah. And um, and with that said, like I think, uh, yeah, that, that scene was very like definitely sticks in your mind, um, especially the, the head removal. Although no blood, no blood. No, although the head ends up melting uh, in kind of like this uh, red screen, which you know, yeah. I'm always down for a melting head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think the wizard ever got like? his recipes mixed up and is like, ah, shit, ate the fucking intestines. I didn't mean to revive the, the alien thing. I, I, I wanted, uh, I wanted the crocodiles. God damn it. <laughs> right. Well, so it looks like the, 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 the bad guy though, he was allergic to the sun. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a vampire yeah. basically. Yeah. 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 And so they kind of use that to, I mean, he's, he's killed very suddenly, uh, or mm-hmm. it seems like he's finally winning, and then all of a sudden, sun comes out, and they don't let him escape, and he just melts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, uh, the next one. Uh, so, in the meantime, he goes back to Hong Kong. He has sex, which he's not supposed to do. Uh, he's going to take revenge for his brother. Um, but meanwhile, uh, the three black magic magicians, who I think are the students of the guy that he just killed... Uh, find out what happened and want to take revenge themselves and so mm-hmm. uh yeah this revival is one of the more i mean you can agree or disagree but i think this might be the most disgusting of all of the, the things that happen in this film where we have like where they uh you know they kill a crocodile it's a fake crocodile so they don't actually kill a real crocodile they take out all the they do, they do harass the real cro- crocodile though <laughs> Yes, they do. Uh, they take out uh, all like the eggs and stuff, which includes throwing them on the ground, and like we see little like crocodiles, I guess, slithering away. And then we have they put a make it uh, well, they put a corpse inside, uh, mm-hmm. a female corpse, and then eventually they take the female corpse out, and it's just like infested with maggots, like so many maggots. Mm-hmm. It's it's for me at least stuff like that is very gross i have a hard time with like kind of small squirmy slimy things and so it is just absolutely uh you know a place i would not personally want to be uh and so meanwhile the boxing match with bolo is going on uh we you know as someone that enjoys food uh i know you have partaken in some uh wonderful chicken sashimi how did that chicken sashimi look to you It's very fresh. <laughs> very fresh. Uh, God. Yeah, I know. You wouldn't eat it? Omakase? You, you wouldn't trust these three guys to be your omakase chefs? Perhaps not. Perhaps not. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a little bit gross. Yeah. Um, uh, by a little bit, it's a lot. I mean, so yeah, so you got all, a bunch of gross out factors. Uh, what I do like about the, that scene is actually I like the scene progression. So um, 
a lot of things actually actually are happening at the same time, which is kind of lovely. Uh, because you start off, as you mentioned, the guy breaks his celibacy by having sex with his sex with his girlfriend, which he shouldn't have done. And at the same time, the people who want to avenge uh, avenge their master, they're already in their plan. So the very next scene is crocodiles, right? But the crocodiles are having sex. Yeah. They have a whole bunch of scenes of crocodiles having sex, which I was not expecting. And then you have them grab one crocodile, which is why the crocodile has eggs, because it was, it was fertilized by sex. Which I thought, you know, that's very clever. The, 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 the progression of scenes, right? And then once, once they, uh, they get that corpse uh, full of maggots, uh, where sound effect guy did a really good job, lots of squishy noises, and when, when we talk about maggots, there was a mix between squishy noises and flies, even though maggots do not make those sounds. But in, it's disgusting. Absolutely. Like just having the, those sounds in your ear, just the maggots squirmy plus uh, bee uh, while, while having this fly sounds. Uh, it's very gross. But, um, but yeah. And then out of, that, out of that whole thing, a witch comes out. Yeah. Well, first they do the regurgitation, which we're running over real fast, which includes the chicken ass, which I referred to yes. there. Uh, where, you know, the chicken tail. Yeah. Which, you know, we, uh, we recently hung out in D.C. And while we were there, one of the things we did is we had yerba mate. And, you know, you're like drinking it. It's sort of a communal thing. You're passing it back and forth. That's basically what these guys are doing, except with chicken butt and uh, durian, which... I have not heard people mention uh, that have reviewed this film on, on podcast, but that is a very um, pungent fruit, shall we say. Uh, and it's very infamous in Southeast Asia and that part of the world. And so that is absolutely one of the smelliest things mixed with chicken ass. And they're sort of regurgitating it and passing it back and forth between each other uh, before they feed it to yeah. the poor, uh, poor corpse, uh, which eventually does revive her. Um, and, I think that's probably the most, in my opinion at least, maybe you disagree, but I think that's probably the most disgusting thing in this film. Uh, no, I mean, um, them feeding, I mean, feeding each other chewed raw chicken, like pre-chewed raw chicken plus durian, it's interesting because yeah, I, I thought it was Darian. I wasn't sure. I was like, is that jackfruit or Darian? Like I, I thought Darian. it was. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, I thought so too. Because uh, yeah, the, the different different types of smells. Um, although I thought I thought it's delicacy in the you know in Asia. I mean, personally, I like it, but you know, it's one of those things where if you're in Southeast Asia in your hotel room, they're like, no smoking, no durian. Uh, yeah. So it's a, uh, it is smelly, and a lot of people think it smells like gasoline. So I mean, just imagine that mixed with like chicken booty. Well, it was it's like fresh chicken though. True. <laughs> um, no, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, I mean, it's it's intended to give you a reaction. Um, I think durian is disgusting. So that alone would do the job. Yeah. But uh, everything that happened too. Did you did you like the uh, maggot vision? Yeah, no, it, it was very creative. Let's put it this way. 
Um, okay, well, that is not my personal favorite set piece, but it's certainly one that will have a lasting impact. And I think this whole film just it's loaded with different imagery and stuff like that, that you are probably not going to forget anytime soon. And I think that whole um, kind of revival is part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Shall we go to the final set piece of uh, in Nepal, Kathmandu? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So one of the complaints you're going to see uh, about this film, reading about it, is people don't really care for kind of the travelogue part where he's traveling to Nepal and stuff like that. And we see him like kind of touring around. As we talked about earlier, uh, Thailand is, you know, somewhat regularly seen in Hong Kong films. Nepal, a lot less so. Uh, How how did you uh, like this part where he's kind of going to uh, Nepal and walking around the temples and touring around? Uh, The temples kind of made sense. Uh, it makes sense that I mean, uh, I think I, I I divide it into two parts. There is one part where it, where it does feel like a little bit of a travel log, where uh, you know you're just having travel around. You have a cam like a first person view of the camera uh, of him looking at people, and people are looking at him, at him <laughs> like if, like people do when they're looking at a camera. Yeah. <laughs> so. A lot of uh, a lot of you know non non actors looking at a camera, and that was strange. Uh, but on the other hand, it, it sort of establishes a little bit of Nepal, uh, which I think seems like a very gloomy city. I mean, it's, it's to, I'm pretty sure it's really in the mountains. So, uh, yeah, yeah. No, and and also I think Nepal Nepal is like one of the poorer countries in Oh for sure. Yeah. In the region, if not the poorest country in the region. So it it, it definitely gives you that sort of like that feel. Um but once you get to the temples, I thought that they did a good job at giving you an uneasy feel. Of the temples at setting at setting basically the scene of where you're gonna be, and so I did not mind them doing this whole like showing you the temple, showing you the pink the paintings in the table, the the temple, showing you you know the different shrines, especially because you know for a fact that the actual scene did not take into in the temple. Like the scene was done in a studio because it would be really fucked if they had you know fucked around at a temple. But they gave you uh, different pi- images and pictures, and they focus on the different statues that later you would see come to life. Yeah, yeah. In the studio, <laughs> personally, and, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I I I think it does a good job at setting up what's co- what's to come. Yeah, and personally, I I also think you need a little bit of a breather after all of the craziness that's been happening and before the finale, uh, for that to happen too. And I actually don't mind the the Nepal. Uh, stuff that much. I mean, it's if you were asking me to list my favorite things about the film, it probably wouldn't be amongst them. But uh, I do think pacing wise and stuff like that, it's kind of nice to get a little bit of breather in, like kind of just tour around Nepal and stuff like that. I, I mean, I I like personally seeing all the different temples, mainly Buddhist temples that we see throughout this film. So uh, I I like it too. And you make good points in the sense that it does serve as uh, as a purpose in the plot too and sort of like establishing uh, here's where we're going to have our finale but we're going to have to wait until like the right time when the sun's kind of going through yeah. uh, at the right point yeah and also here are certain creatures that you might actually end up seeing because uh, so I, th- I believe that some of the creature or some of the paintings and things like that they sort of recreated with actors wearing costumes right 
Uh, so it, it really sets up, I mean, it set, sets up again, like some sort of lore. I, I'm still not sure how faithful it is to the actual culture, <laughs> but uh, for someone who doesn't know, it's, it's, it's solid enough. Um, okay, well, speaking of things that might not be totally faithful to the culture, uh, we start this fight here, and we have, like, a, you know, uh, an almost naked witch, uh, which is kind of the revived female corpse, uh, fighting our hero here, uh, who has kind of, like, the detachable hands and stuff like that. Uh, this one also feels different, because she's kind of, like, flying around, she's got, like, this big cloth, uh, but I, I guess first he has to, like, fight that kind of, like, guardian of the temple, too. Um, mm -hmm. We have kind of those cute fuzzy toys that go into like his ears and, and nose and stuff like that. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes off the walls again, uh, this whole different black magic fight here. Except instead of kind of our, our, our Filipino uh, uh, wizard, we have this woman that's basically doing it, who's the revived corpse uh, of the different people. What, what stood out for you in this set piece at the end? I mean, I, I enjoyed the uh, the statues coming alive, throwing the little powers. The guy sort of defending himself with the uh, the you know like do not cross signs. Uh, I also I do think that there's some comedy in there saying like ah shit I do have to wait until dawn, or, or <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Because um, it's like yeah yeah why the fuck do you come so early? <laughs> um, the uh, once uh, the witch comes in, which uh, she's already sort of uh, they did set her character already when he was in the plane going to Nepal. She actually sat right next to him. Right, we see the nails. Uh, yeah, we see the nails. When she shows up, uh, she—it's <laughs> weird, like what, uh, like how the character is. It's almost like she's just a dancer. Yeah. While well, throwing a bunch of power I, stuff. I mean, more or less, that's what the actress is doing, at least. Yeah. Um, I thought there would be, like, maybe some sort of fighting or something, like a, a more physical fight. But it's more like, you know, she's sort of dancing and around him while throwing powers at him. And also, like, that moment where she locks him, like, she clasps his hands and is doing something with his head. Which is not not clear what. Yeah, right. And then eventually she becomes like a bunch of maggots, and then the the three black magicians come out again, uh, wrapped in plastic wrap, shrink wrap. Right, but that's uh, that's after the the bearded man comes out. Yeah, the bearded man who is played by uh, I think Elvis Swee, who is also his uh, kind of twin from past life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the beard, the bearded man comes out uh, through that liquid, uh, or not the liquid, but like the the ashes. Yeah, the relic of the, yeah. of the relic. Yeah, yeah. complete, complete uh, with the a good old uh, Asian Santa beard. Yeah, yeah, a very. Uh, I mean, good old you know acrylic. <laughs> yeah, poorly poorly glued beard. Um, and yeah, like the the guy destroys the witch, and that's when uh, the uh, 
the fucking students of of the evil master comes come come out, and you're like, okay, what are they gonna do? And then one stabs himself, kills himself, and then the other two like cut their wrists to get make their blood go into the other one, and out of that comes this three fuzzy. Were they fuzzy? Are they it's just fucking weird things? Yeah. That killed the old man. Yeah. But then eventually the statue, like the light shines through and the relic thing shatters and those things blow up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, very weird. Very weird. Um, don't have much to say about it. I know, I know. I mean, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. It was like... What am I watching? Yeah. This is kind of. And meanwhile, the color palette's changing about every minute or two uh, to like different oh, yeah. stuff. It's like we end on pink and things like that. It's all very, very uh, stylish and and striking. Okay, well, uh, you know, I think that more or less wraps up uh, the Boxers of Omen uh, in terms of uh, kind of its big set pieces. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about before we kind of get on to uh, wrapping it up with uh, who won souvenir and and all those things. Is the title a correct translation? Let me check. Of the name? Um, yeah. I mean, the title would make you think you're watching something else. Um, the title looks like it's just Mo in Chinese, which means magic. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Because I was like... The boxer's omen. It's like sure, our main character is a kickboxer. There's an omen happening. Yeah. But the boxer's part is probably one of the least. Like in fact, the main character he's a gangster, a kickboxer, and technically a monk. Yeah. Like literally, all is true. But I mean, for most of the film, he's a monk. Like that's his function. Um, what? Yeah. yeah but actually, uh, you bring up. Uh, you remind me of something. How did you like the lead? Uh, who is played by Philip Coe, who is actually very rarely like the lead lead of a film. Uh, he's like one of the Hong Kong bad guys who shows up in all kinds of different movies, um, like as kind of a very secondary part. He's like in a bunch of Jackie Chan mm. films, stuff like that. How'd you like him as kind of the, the main lead? He was pretty good. He's a good physical actor. Yeah. I thought I thought he was quite good too. Uh, I mean, obviously the highlights of this film is probably not like the acting performances, but I, I think as far as like that goes, I, I don't really have a lot of complaints about him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Anything else to add? Um. No, I think. Uh, we we I think I think I have everything here. All right. Well then. We're moving on to perhaps the hardest question. What souvenir do you want? Uh, I would like that jar that protects you from shit. Okay. I'll, I'll take the, the mushroom, the thousand-year-old mushroom. Oh, yes. Thousand-year-old mushroom. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't take it because it's, it's, it's there. So if you take it, you're kind of an asshole. <laughs> Fair, fair. That's a, that's a decent so, point. So, yeah, so. so, so you might might as well take the uh, the liquid of the mushroom. That to to get it out, you need to put a bunch of honey, on it. Uh huh. You gotta convince it to give you its liquid. There you go. 
I bet some if if you haven't seen this movie, I, I at this point, I I don't know if we spoiled it to you because uh, I I think we just talked a bunch of nonsense if you haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, I think this is one of those films that's unspoilable. The plot, in one hand, is very simple, uh, and it's more or less just a vessel for you to see all this crazy ass set pieces. Uh, but uh, so yeah yeah so yeah I mean. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those that's fine, unlike like a Jallo, if you really care about who did it, uh, where, you know, you can uh, listen to this podcast, and if you haven't watched the film, yeah, you're right. It sounds like a buttload of nonsense, but uh, if you have seen it, then you'll know exactly what we're talking about. I mean, this is one of those films that legitimately is one of the most bizarre things you'll probably see uh, in in a year or two. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, what about your favorite um, set piece or moment of the film? I mean, one of my favorite moments is when uh, the guy gets kicked out of the temple because he had lied about sex. And then he goes and starts hitting the corpse of his uh, spiritual brother, saying, like, answer me. You asked me to help you. I thought that was just really funny. Uh, and uh, Okay. Yeah, I mean, my favorite set piece is uh, the uh, the first wizard battle. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you kind of get hints of that up to there, where where you ha- kind of have that first revival where it's like so goopy of like the skulls and stuff like that. But I feel like that first wizard battle is really where it kicks into gear. And to be honest, I think I prefer it over the final set piece, even though the final set piece is a lot of fun too. Um, but yeah, that that first wizard battle, and I like, I really like the guy that plays the first wizard. Uh, I've heard a number of people compare him to like uh, Carlos Santana in just the way he looks. So evil oh, Carlos yeah. Santana, uh, kind of just go into town and be like, like, come on, go get him, go get him. Uh, so I just like uh, kind of the combination of all that stuff, um, and that's like a scene that is kind of hard to turn away uh, when it's on. It's just so well done. Um, okay, who won the movie? Um, yeah, I think the filmmaker, uh, the um, director. Yeah, Koi Chi Hung. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, you know, if you're going to uh, to switch careers and stuff like that, you might as well throw everything against the wall at least once. And that's what this yeah. kind of film kind of feels like. It's like uh, you'll know if I'm just, uh, you know, if I start reviving dead rats and stuff like that on on the next film to film that's probably going to be my last podcast just saying exactly uh okay uh and uh rating and do if you uh what what film would you pick between this and seventh curse i think i I would need to rewatch uh seventh curse okay but but i am I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so it's close. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. Uh, rating. What about you? Um, Seventh Curse is more fun, but I kind of mm-hmm. think this is a little bit of a more powerful film. Mm. Yeah, like the imagery yeah. and stuff like that. I think it really sticks with you. This film uh, seems like it has more. It paid a lot more attention to its special effects. You have a lot of uh, trickery 
you have a lot of um, uh, different types of movements. It's a little bit of animation, a little bit of a little bit of everything. Uh, Seven Curse has less of that, but uh, it has some really good set pieces as well, and some really good martial arts. Yeah, Seventh Curse feels like they're yeah. throwing kind of like every film reference and everything against the wall and just uh you know hoping some stuff sticks and a lot of it does stick um i mean that film i think if you're if you're like really looking for a horror film i think boxer's omen is probably the pick but if you're like looking for more of like a fun time uh for a broader audience i think probably seventh curse is is preferred i mean yeah seventh curse is more of an indiana jones film yeah for sure um rating um, seven and a half. Okay. Yeah, I am at uh, eight and a half. I I really like this film. First time I watched it, I did not care for it really. But uh, you know, I've really come around. This step definitely one of those where it's like revisited, and I'm like, oh, okay. I I absolutely see the appeal for um something like this. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. a very high recommend for any fan of horror, probably especially those of Italian horror, if you're looking to cross over uh, to kind of try out some Hong Kong stuff. I think this is a pretty ideal gateway uh, just with how bananas and bonkers the whole thing is. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in uh, for film to film. Uh, I forgot to say, but you can email us at zafilm to film at gmail.com or, uh, or uh, tweet at us at zafilm to film. Uh, and uh, Inyaki and I will uh, see you guys next time. See you next time. Bye. Ciao. Thank you.